Well, in case you don't know, if you're new here, we're in the midst of an ongoing consecutive expository series on the Gospel of Luke. And we're now about to end up the today the 18th chapter of the book of Luke. The title of the message this morning is The Blind Beggar. And it comes to us from Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 31 through 43. Hear the word of the Lord with careful attention. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp What was said. And he drew near to Jericho. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's ask his blessing. Upon it, Father, now, again, by your Holy Spirit and with his help, will you come and illumine this scripture to us, give us understanding, give us, Lord, the ability to comprehend what we need to learn about this blind beggar. Father, we ask for this help and for the power and unction of the Holy Spirit, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A dramatic shift has taken place in Jesus' journeys. They've been somewhat circuitous as he's gone down and then kind of to the side. You're going to see in a moment on the slide. Uh, But he and his chosen disciples have been going 
more and more in the direction of Jerusalem. Now, at last, he will go soon to Jerusalem for the final and last time. Speaking of that, uh, I think I have something here, and I'll make sure I point this this way, not at you. Um, But you can see here, that's the home base, Capernaum up there. And of course, Jesus has been up and down these places before. But this is the last one, and you can see the route taking him through. And here in Samaria, and then taking back and coming through Bethshean, and down the Jordan River, and then crossing it here, and then coming back across the Jordan to Jericho. And this is the destination, of course, Jerusalem here. But today, Jesus has made this trek and this journey in our story, and as he comes in and through Jericho. So that's where we are today. Now, Jesus is journeying, as I said, toward Jerusalem with absolute, resolute intent. He's prepared his disciples and he's for his departure. And yet, as we've seen so far, they didn't get it. And yet he's been continually instructing them as they walk with him by faith and trying to teach them how, what it means to walk in faith. And he was, he's been straight up with them. He's told them, you will have difficulty. You will have persecution. If they do this to me, they will do this to you also. He told his disciples on many occasions. But now he reminds them that he is about to go and face his destiny in the city of Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. Now, this is the, not first, not second, the third, third time that Jesus prophesies uh, prophesies the highlights of what will happen to him when he arrives in the holy city of Jerusalem. He's been there before, but this time he's going for the last time. And he said, as we saw in the text, he will be, meaning the Son of Man, who Jesus often referred to himself in that way. He said, he will, meaning I will, telling his disciples, I will be taken, I will be beaten, I will be bruised, I will be battered. And ultimately, I will be killed. And the real ultimate, I will rise again. And yet, as we read in the text, they could not hear any of it. It was absolutely gobbledygook to them. It made no sense. They had no comprehension, even though this was the third time. Jesus is telling them, and he's told them before, but he's telling them that the road to glory would run through the valley of suffering. And that's not the way they thought the kingdom is going to come. They were going to be the winners on top. The Romans were going to get thrown down. Again, Jesus clarifies the mission, but it's Greek to them. 
They have no clue. They either didn't understand it or more than likely, if they did get a hint of it, they didn't want to hear any more about it. It's too terrible, too scary. It was a severe case of denial by Jesus' followers, his trusted 12. Today, on the road, we read about another story, another character that Luke puts in his gospel. And on the road, we read about someone whose faith was not blind, although his eyes were. He was a blind man. Now here's our outline. The person, the plea, and the pronouncement. That's what we're going to cover in this portion of the text. We've already covered the section where Jesus is telling for the third time. Now, this is all about, the rest of this is about Jesus and this blind man. Now, in verses 35 and through 37... Before we look at that and get into that a little deeper about his person, we're talking now about the person of the blind man. But Luke brings our attention to something else that's worthwhile. He mentions that it is Jericho that this takes place in. This blind man's residence is in the ancient city of Jericho. And Jesus was passing through. Wasn't planning to spend a lot of time there, but he was passing through. And it's important that we know that there are two Jerichos in Jesus' day. In his day, there were two. There was the old city of Jericho. And then there was the new city that had been rebuilt, rebuilt and reconstituted by the Hasmoneans. You know who the Hasmoneans were. That's Herod and his crowd. That's Herod and his extended family. He was a Hasmonean. And so Jericho is, of course, if you've ever been there, it is an oasis in the desert. It is desert all around it. And yet there are beautiful things that grow there. It's an oasis and palm trees, massive palm trees that provide refreshment for weary travelers on their road to Jerusalem. And that's where Jesus' path is taking him. It's interesting. It is a long journey from Jerusalem, uh, from, from Jericho up to Jerusalem. Specifically, why? It's 13 miles. That's pretty long. But guess what it is? All uphill. Pretty steep. If you've tried, if you've ridden down in a car, I mean, you have to really put the brakes on. It's steep going down. And if you're walking up it, it is a long, long, arduous journey. Twisting, winding, and very steep. Now, by the way, the beggar was well positioned. He knew exactly where to, to ensconce himself on the road to Jerusalem, an ideal place 
where he could be right there where all the major thoroughfares and traffic were and hopefully get some alms, get somebody giving him something to help him out in his plight. Furthermore, Luke does not tell us his name. He's just called by Luke the beggar, the blind beggar. He's a beggar that happens to be blind. But though Luke does not tell us, guess who does? Mark. Mark is the one that tells us his name is Bartimaeus. You may, may know that. It's, oftentimes he is referred to as blind Bartimaeus. Same, same person, but he is called Bartimaeus. And that is the name Bartimaeus is because he is the son of Timaeus. Bar means son and, uh, or excuse me, Bar means son of Timaeus. And thus he is Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus. Now, that is the person that's going to be engaging with Jesus in the text. Now, secondly, the plea. That's in verses 38 through 41. The plea. Who's making the plea? Well, as we're going to see, it's, it's the beggar. Now, someone had obviously tipped off the beggar. Maybe he was a friend. Uh, we're not really sure. But someone clearly got to him in advance of Jesus' arrival coming right by his place of business, of, of begging for alms. And Jesus was in town, but he was only passing by. But he was right near his location. And as the saying goes, desperate times call for what? Desperate measures. <laughs> so this guy is not going to miss the opportunity. He's not going to say, you know, well, maybe Jesus will hang around. No, no, he, he is going to. And he starts throwing on the sirens and everything he's got trying to get Jesus' attention so that when Jesus gets there, he may be able to help this poor man, this beggar that is blind. And so immediately... When Jesus is passing by, the blind beggar starts yelling at the top of his voice. And he starts saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now Luke says, they tried to silence him. <laughs> How do you think that worked? Um, not very well. But they tried to silence him. Now who do you think they were? Who are these people that tried we're trying to silence him. Well, if you look at verse 39 again, let me read that again. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Guess who was the vanguard usually out in front of Jesus? His disciples. They were probably the ones that were trying to shut old Bart down. So, these disciples, why did they do that? Well, they probably thought that a beggar was not of the right personage. It was not the right person to be having a conversation with a rabbi. 
They thought he was socially insignificant, too socially insignificant to bother Jesus, a rabbi of his stature and substance and stance. But the beggar wouldn't be dissuaded. Though they tried to shut him up and shut him down, there would he was having none of it. He just started hollering all the more. He just pumped up the volume and kept crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it just went on. It just went on. Until Jesus said, hold it. Get him. Bring him here. You see, he now he doesn't know for sure how this blind beggar knew about him. That's that's an that's a mystery. He pumps up and he's crying these words and he's saying them over and over and over, but. How does he know anything? How does this blind beggar know anything about the son of David? And being able to have mercy on him. How did, where, did, where would he get that kind of information? We're not sure. We're not told. Except that's what he was saying. He obviously had some, something from the scriptures At some point in his life in which he knew this vital, something about this vital connection of the son of David. And Jesus, in his discussions with the Pharisees, remember at one point, I can't remember if it's either before this or it will be after this as we go. As they once again try to trap him, he basically tells them and tells and tells them the story about David and said, okay, which, which is he? Is this David's son or is this David's Lord? How do, you, how do you deal with both of those? Well, that's what Jesus is. He is David's son, the rightful son and heir, but he's also greater than David. He is David's Lord. And somehow this beggar must have known. Maybe it was from 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13. Listen, listen to this. And when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you and who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Maybe he had insight of that somehow. Maybe someone taught him. Or it may be coming from Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and a peace there is no end. And on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it in justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It could have been some of that, all of that. But somehow he had this spiritual connection of that he was not dealing with just an ordinary man. He was dealing with the son of man. And he could deliver him from his blindness if he only wanted to. Wow, what faith. You see, bottom line, 
bottom line, the beggar had faith in God's messianic promises. He somehow, even in his state, knew that one day, one day, God could smile on him and bring him out of his affliction and into wholeness so that he could praise and honor his God. Now, when Jesus heard the beggar's plea, as I said, he stopped in his tracks and he commanded that the beggar be summoned to come to him and he came near to Jesus. That's the way Luke puts it. What a, what a beautiful phrase. He came near to Jesus. You know what? That's the way we always should come to, G- to Jesus when we come near to him. We should do that when Jesus calls us, when he calls others, we should throw aside whatever it is that's hindering us and simply come to Jesus as we are. You know, the, fa- the famous hymn, just as I am, without one plea, but that, that's the same kind of spirit. I love this um, hymn. Not too many of us know it. I don't even know if we've ever done it here, but uh, it's called Jesus I Come. Listen to the wording here. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus I come, Jesus I come. Into thy freedom, gladness and light, Jesus I come to thee. Out of my sickness, into thy health, out of my wanting and into thy wealth, out of my sin and into thyself. Oh, Jesus, I come to thee. We got to get that one in the repertoire. It's a great, great calling us to come to Jesus. And that's what Jesus invited him to come, and he did. Then Jesus asked the beggar, what do you want me to do for you? What's on your mind? What, what are you hoping to have happen here? Does this sound familiar? It should. Listen to a couple more uh, quotes here. This is the, uh, the gospel contrast. And then there's a part of it, second part, about uh, observation from Helen Keller, the famous blind Helen Keller. Gospel contrast. We also see the gospel of grace in subtle contrast of James and John with Bartimaeus's blindness. To both parties, Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Yet while James and John request glory and Bartimaeus requests mercy, James and John, though physically seeing, are spiritually blind. Bartimaeus, though physically blind, was spiritually seeing. It is on those who know their need, not those who assume their superiority, that God pours out mercy. That's who God pours out mercy. And Jesus' own disciples so often miss that. But, but Bart didn't. The beggar didn't. Listen to the quote by Helen Keller also. 
Someone once asked blind and deaf Helen Keller, isn't it terrible to be blind? To which she responded, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. There's a lot of people in this world walking around with two good eyes and they see nothing. Nothing that really matters. The beggar did. He knew who was there with him and what he could do if he only wanted to. You see, the beggar told Jesus, he says, what do you want me? Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, I want to receive my sight. I know you can do it. You've asked me what I want. That, that's what I would like. By the way, he used a special term when he was addressing Jesus. Rabboni. You remember that? Mary Magdalene used that term when speaking to Jesus in the garden. It means Lord and Master. He says, Lord and Master, I would love to receive my sight. You see, he didn't ask for status. He didn't ask for glory. He didn't ask for delivery from his poverty. He didn't ask for three wishes for his genie. He simply wanted what was most already that he could have. And that was to follow his master. He had sight to see what the disciples could not see. They had eyes, seeing eyes, but they couldn't see so often. But he wasn't blind. Not in the most significant sense. Certainly not now. And as what Jesus is about to do, he certainly isn't then. The third point, the pronouncement. Jesus is about to say something. He's going to pronounce something to the beggar. Finally, Jesus makes this pronouncement. Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Recover your sight. In other words, what, what, what you've asked is already done. Just go, go pick it up. <laughs> It's already happening right now. It's already there. Receive it. Recover your sight. Your faith has made you whole. It's already happened. And the text says, immediately he received his sight. Verse 43, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise to God. He was blind in the beginning of Jesus' pronouncement. And before it was finished, he was completely healed from his 
condition. You see, it's very important we understand this. His faith is an acknowledged instrument. But faith does not heal. Jesus heals. It's Jesus that healed him. And all that man wanted was now to do was to follow him. You see, nothing has changed a lot in 2,000 years in this perspective, this regret or circumstance. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. Jesus still, Jesus still stops for anyone who calls on his name like this blind beggar did. He will stop and turn and ask, what do you want? What do you, what do you seek? Too often, we come Already with our agendas and what we expect the outcome. This man had none of that. He just said, Lord, if you will. And he did. Jesus still stops for those who call upon his name in faith. The simple formula. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, you're the Savior. Jesus, son of David, I'm the sinner. And all I can ask is your forgiveness. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me and forgive me. Such faith, brothers and sisters, is never blind. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you listen to the cries and the calls of your children. Lord, you don't always give what we have in mind, but you give good gifts to your children. And your ways are the best. And we're always better off in your hands than we are in our own. It's hard for us to believe that. It's hard for us to. We're so much like the disciples so often. But Father, thank you for this encouragement of this man, this beggar, that all he wanted was just more and more of you, Jesus. Make that true of us. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.